Good morning. Welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. This is Tuesday morning, May 4th, 2021. The year keeps moving forward. I'm Tom Short, so glad to have you along with me today. As we've been looking at the commands of Christ, we get into the Word every day here. And God sees that. And God knows that you're making it a priority to get into the Word of God. And God knows that that's what will change our life. We want to, we're looking at the commands of Christ because we want to be doers of the Word and not merely hearers. We want to be following His commands. This is what it means to be a disciple, right? In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, He said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And this doesn't mean you, they watch it or they observe it. They look at it. It means they, they do it. They, they are practicing the commands of Christ. And we're in the kingdom of God, and we want to be living by his commands, which are the path to real life. They are the blessings that God brings our way. This morning we're in Matthew chapter 18 and, uh, and verse 15. And I have entitled this message, A Simple, Difficult Way to Preserve Unity in the Church. And what we're going to look at today really is simple, but it's not easy because it deals with conflict. And I don't know about you, but most of us don't like conflict. Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. If he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. You know, churches... One of the things that weakens churches is unresolved conflict. Now, conflict is inevitable because we're still human beings. And the closer people get to one another, uh, the more likely conflict is to happen. You know, two people who just never see one another and they live on opposite ends of the world or whatever and don't even know about one another, have no knowledge of one another, they're not going to have any conflict. But two people who live in the same house together may be more likely to have conflict. The closer you are, the more likely conflict is to happen. And churches are places where people come and get close. They're places where people are vulnerable. People share their, they they trust one another. They share their innermost hearts and needs. They, in the church, we are to get close, we're to love one another. And that means you get close to one another. And so, therefore, because we're still human, conflict is inevitable. And the question becomes, how do you, when it happens, what do you do? Do you just let it happen? If you do and ignore conflict and just uh, go around hurting people and nothing happens from it, the church will be divided, the church will be weakened, it'll lose that power of unity where people are to come together in unity, God commands blessings. So what do you do? What do you do when there's conflict? Uh, what do you do when someone hurts you? What do you do when someone sins against you? Now, Jesus wanted the unity of the church to be protected and to be preserved. And so he gave a simple process of what to do if someone offends you. And, and, um, 
And here we're looking at it today. Now, why don't we follow this? It's simple, but it's difficult because, like I said, it involves, it involves addressing conflict. Um, sometimes, you know, we're, we're to be forgiving people. And so we sometimes wonder, well, you know, should I just forgive the person who offended me, the person who hurt me? And is it that big of a deal? Is it that significant? I've often thought the devil's got us in his sweet spot. When someone offends us, what they've done is too little to forget, too small to forget, but it's too big to do anything about. You know, I would seem petty if I go talk to someone about it, but I just can't forget it. I prayed about it. I've given it to God done my best. I can't forget about it, but it seems too small to talk about. That's the devil's sweet spot because that's where he's got us divided and we don't do anything about it. So what do we do? How do you approach a person when, when you realize this is something that I need to clear up? I need to, you know, I encourage you to, you know, you pray, make sure your heart's right, ask God to work in the person's situation. Then Jesus gives us a simple process. Number one, you go talk to the person. You don't go talking to other people. You go talk to the person, the person who offended you. You just tell them, you know, when you said so-and-so or when you did such-and-such, that, that really hurt. That offended me. That, I don't know if you realize, but, but that, you know, to me, that really was painful. That was difficult. I, I feel it was wrong. You just got to be blunt. You got to tell them. It's not easy, but you do. Jesus says do it in private. You don't do it in front of other people. You do it in private because the goal is reconciliation. The goal is not to humiliate the other person or make them feel bad or to, to, to uh, knock them down a notch or two in front of others. The goal is, is reconciliation with, with, him, with the offending person. If they listen to you, you've won your brother. And so that's the goal. You want them to listen. You hope that they apologize. You hope that they acknowledge they're wrong. If they need to make any restitution, that they, that they would. If they don't listen to you, you go to step two. Again, pretty easy, but it's pretty simple, but not easy. Step two, you take one or two more with you. You take someone who hopefully the other person would respect, look up to. You take your, you know, you, you, someone mature, someone wise, someone uh, who's discerning. And you, you take them along with you and you say, uh, you know, last time when we talked, we didn't resolve our problem. And so I thought I would bring someone else in to just help here. And you talk further. And they help establish, was there really something, did the other person really do something wrong? Or are you blowing it out of proportion? What is it? And hopefully, you can all, at that point, live, leave reconciled. But what if you can't? What if they stand their ground and they refuse to repent? They refuse to humble themselves? Then you take a dramatic step, which I've hardly ever seen happen in in, um, uh, in in years, years and years and years. And many, many churches, I don't know if they'd ever get to this place because, well, let's be honest, it makes churches look harsh. And that is you tell the whole church what happened. You tell the whole church what happened. And obviously the pastors are involved at this point. You don't just stand up in the middle of the service and say it. But you announce in the church that there was this conflict. So-and-so committed an offense, a sin against another member of the church. And, and people have talked to him about it and urged him to repent, and they refused to do it. And so now the whole church is coming together, and the whole church is saying, we urge you to repent. This is wrong, what you've done. It's dividing the church. It's bringing 
that's bringing sin into the church that's not repented of and not addressed. You've got to, you've got to address this. And if their heart is hard and they refuse even then to repent of their sin, that's when we say, you know what? You're just not acting like a Christian. You're, you're not welcome to be part of the church here. You've got to repent. You've got to get right. You've got to get right with God and get right with this person you've offended to stay in fellowship here. Now, that seems harsh, but that's what Jesus said. Is it not? That's what Jesus said. The final thing, if he refuses to listen even to, the, to them, the one or two ones, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. That wasn't, you know, they didn't want, they didn't have things to do with the Gentile and tax collectors. And this, what Jesus was talking about here, that means you are out of the fellowship. We hope that things don't come to this, but you know what? Failing to, failing to act on these things, because this takes courage, takes wisdom. It is the loving thing to do. Paul talked about, he hoped that if these things ever had to happen to someone, it would save their soul in the day of Christ Jesus. It would get them to be serious about their sinfulness and repentance. Um, but few churches ever get here. And, and I suppose maybe that's because everyone in our day and age is just so humble and, and, and so quick to confess. I don't know. But I think the lack of it, the lack of really reconciling relationships and following this process, because again, it's difficult, but the lack of doing it leads to many churches being weak divided, impotent. They lose the power of really loving one another. So if today you've got someone in your mind, God's brought someone in your mind in your church that you just don't get along with because they've offended you and you just tried to forget about it, you tried to not do anything about it, but you can't get over it, maybe this is a process you should be considering and acting upon, okay? Father in heaven, Today we bless you, and we thank you for Jesus, the great reconciler, the great peacemaker, the one who came. Lord, you brought a sword with uh, the, the, idea, the devil, and you divide against wickedness. But Lord, those of us who name the name of Christ, you've made us brothers and sisters. You've made us a family. You've brought us together as the church, the people of God. How we pray for unity in our churches. We know the devil would like to divide us. The devil would like to weaken us. The devil would like to turn us against one another. We're to be building your kingdom. We're to be out conquering the land for you. We're to be out winning the lost. And how he'd like to distract us by turning against one another. Lord, we all confess it's all happened. We've all done it at some point or another. How we pray, Lord, how we pray that we would have the courage the wisdom, the love, the faith to follow the simple process when there is conflict that's unresolved, when there's conflict, there's sin against one another, and how we pray for humility, how we pray, Lord, we pray our churches that we wouldn't need to get to that final step. We even need to get to the step of telling the whole church, but Lord, where there's conflict that can't be resolved one-on-one, that, that wise counselors would come in and wise, mature believers and bring unity, and reconciliation. We pray there would be love in your church. We pray that we wouldn't just agree to all keep our distance from one another, but there would be a true brotherhood and a true love 
and a true unity. You said all men would know we're your disciples if we have love for one another. And Lord, this is a, one of those practical steps of love. It's one of those practical steps that, that, makes, that enables us to go deeper. Lord, when conflict comes, I know, Lord, whenever there's conflict in relationship, there's opportunity for that relationship to grow deeper and more committed. And there's the threat that it might grow further and distant. And Lord, today, even as we think, I'm sure now, right in our own hearts, as we think of people that we've grown distant toward, we'd ask for the grace, the mercy, the kindness that these relationships in our own churches might be reconciled and a deeper, God-honoring, Christ-honoring unity might be forged. We pray for these things. We come against the devil, against every effort he has to divide us, to cause us to turn on one another. We pray for this. Give us wisdom, Lord. We know there are issues in our day and age that are important that we stand on. Sometimes we just see things differently. Help us, Lord, and to know how to really navigate these issues in our churches, but particularly today, the issues of hurt feelings because someone I trusted or loved has sinned against me. We pray for this today. Lord, give us the freedom to walk with you with a good conscience, in, in the joy of the Lord, walking today in great faith and in love. We pray for this, and we trust you to provide it by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Thanks again for joining us. If you're new today, a special welcome to you. I hope you do come back. Hit the like, the subscribe, the notify. Leave a comment below. I always know, like to know who's here. Um, and again, if you're a regular today, God bless you. Thanks for being here. You encourage me to be part of this day after day. And I trust that God will use the input of your words. So many people, you know, the church is weak today. Christians are weak. They get like 30 minutes of Bible teaching a, 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 a week. And we're trying to get 15 minutes a day. It'll make a difference. So tell your friends, invite them to be a part of this. Let's, we won't be strong without the Word of God really dwelling in us. And that means day by day, day by day, we're feeding on the Word of God. Man won't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We eat every day. Let's feed on the Word of God every day. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining me. I love having you guys along. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Have a great day. Bye-bye.